Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. Music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show for any reason, email us as always at rdgable, rdgable at yahoo.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, both our page and my personal Facebook account I use just for the show, Ryan Gable. And you can find us on Twitter at TST underscore underscore radio. We do not have uh, a lot of social media space, but we do have a few accounts if you'd like to follow us and like us. It's kind of interesting because I've been getting these messages from listeners about social media and about the show airing. And so that I can take a moment to address this on air before we get started tonight, I've been informed that our show has been removed from the Google Podcast app, and I've been informed that there are, quote, technical glitches on somebody's end with one of the streaming services, and I have no idea, and the people that are running those services have no idea that something is wrong with the show airing on some platforms. I don't know why that is. And I can speculate at this point after over a decade on radio, I can speculate based on personal experience. So if you're having trouble listening to the show elsewhere, obviously you found us if you're hearing me say this now. But if you're listening in the, in the archives, the free archives or the subscription archive, and uh, maybe you, you miss the show elsewhere, the easiest way to listen is go to groundzero.radio or the Aftermath FM app, and there should be a Ground Zero app coming soon, or you can simply go to our website after the show, thesecretteachings.info, and listen there. Of course, you'll have to listen to those monetized ads. That is 50% of how we make income to support this show, so if you don't like those ads, you can subscribe for a week, month, or year to the full archive. Without those monetized ads, you also get access to the montages, digital copies of my books, which soon will include my newest book, Liberty Shrugged, and you will also get access to a private RSS feed. If you have any other questions or concerns, rdgable at yahoo.com again. That's rdgable at yahoo.com, and I'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. As for last night's show, I was very surprised that Facebook actually allowed us to put the promo up, and we had countless people like and share and comment on it, which I was surprised of considering the uh, otherwise rampant censorship that we typically experience with our promos. So that was good news. That was positive. And I, I want to let you know that if you're, you're looking to see what the show's about every night, just go to our Facebook page and you'll see the promo there Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. Anything we discussed last night, all those studies both scientific and medical, I'd be happy to send you a copy of them. Just email us, again, that same email, and I will link you copies of the things that we discussed last night. So you actually have the, the proof in your hands for your family, your friends, or if you just want to carry it with you to talk to people in public. Tonight is going to be a little bit different, though, because we have a guest on the broadcast. He's been on the show before. And uh, for those of you who may have never listened or you just started listening to The Secret Teachings as we transitioned to Ground Zero Radio, uh, I think he'll be a treat for you tonight. He is the host of a podcast of his own, has very good reviews on Apple Podcasts, Black Hoodie Alchemy, 
He's also the author of a couple of books. One of them is called The Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism, and the other, Hunt Manual, 21st Century Demonology. And when you look at his uh, books, they're available on Amazon. They also have very good reviews. So Anthony Tyler is joining us on the broadcast this evening. And I could sit here and I could read you the standard biography and all that. But I think I'll just bring Anthony onto the broadcast right now. And we'll ask Anthony himself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Anthony, your books, your podcast, and uh, some of your credentials. And then we're going to take a deep dive into some of the esoteric mystical and psychological things that you cut, co- uh, that you cover in your uh, writings and in your podcast. Welcome to the show. With you, man. I'm looking forward to that new book coming out too. Um, but, uh, you know, as for myself, um, I was born in Georgia, raised outside of Anchorage, Alaska. So I'm used to extremes and I'm here in Florida now. Last time we talked, I was in California. Um, so I like to jump around a little bit. Um, and, you know, I've always been interested in extremes, I guess, in an artistic, philosophical sense, because I think that uh, doing so kind of helps you ground yourself more in your practical life if you're doing it right. Um, so, you know, whether it be horror or true crime or mysticism or ancient history, um, I've I've dabbled in a little bit of it all. And... Um, you know, the, my, the black hoodie alchemy, we could start there, um, is just kind of an amalgamation of all that. Um, is it's still a little dark, it's a little horrific. Like I've talked about some pretty disturbing cults and some like schizophrenic serial killers that specifically had really elaborate visions of killing for God, uh, like very biblical in, uh, in twisted ways. And, uh, but you know, there's also really, I, I try to make it light too at times. Um, I had some episodes where we, I had some guests on and we talked about like OG comic books, like everything from Jack Kirby to, you know, up to pretty much stopping where the movies begin because, you know, no disrespect to anyone that enjoys the movies. I've enjoyed plenty of superhero movies, but it's tired and very played out. And it's, I, I mean, you know, not again, not to be pretentious or anything, but, yeah, they could pump the brakes with the cinematic, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and all that. Um, like, but OG comic books, there's there's such a wealth of philosophy and mysticism in them because they used to be this sort of main vein for underground artistic culture. Um, you know, you look at people like Alan Moore, for example. But yeah, so and there's a lot of you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of um, uh, musicians. Like, I really like. Um, very lyrical like boom bap hip hop uh, among other things and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, saturation with hip hop and most genres these days but the beauty of that is you can find really talented artists who are you know not you know they're willing to work with you they're not you know uh, making millions and millions with insane record deals but um, and so people like uh, you know shout out to uh Next one in technician, uh, D Rev, Umong, uh, the Liberators. Yeah, you know, I got some pretty sweet uh, Babylon Warchild, uh, some some great music on the show that I'm happy to have featured on there. So it's just a mix of different stuff, man. We try to get real heady. I try to have fun guests on, and I try to uh, try to just have fun with it too. But uh, the book, you know, Dive Manual, very mysticism oriented, lots of um, kind of 
my descent, my tumble into mysticism and the esoteric, you know, I've always been interested in philosophy, but there's always a tipping point uh, where things just kind of lead you to decisions you make and uh, what kind of person you're going to be. And that's a lot of dive manual there. We could get into that more, but um, my manual, very, you know, very creepy. I tried to make it ominous. It's a look at sort of union psychology and unexplainable phenomena in the, in the more nefarious context, you know, whether it be true crime or uh, outright demonology or um, cryptids, you know, uh, UFOs, you know, not that all UFOs are inherently evil. Well, we can get into that, but part of Hunt Manual is the idea that there's a lot more of a mystical, even psychological angle to unexplainable phenomena that doesn't, it, it, it doesn't take away from any grander mystical implications, but I think that it lays an important groundwork for anything that would follow. Well, that's why I've, I've liked talking to you in the past. Number one, you and I share quite a bit in common. Uh, number two, uh, you like to look at these types of subjects, and that could be psychology, that could be the paranormal, that could be UFOs, that could be a, a mixture of different things. And you like to look at them, I think, my perspective of your work is that you try to be pretty objective in, in how you analyze these things. And I appreciate that because I don't find that a lot, especially in late night radio. You, you tend to find groups that go to war with each other over their perspective and over what they want to believe, as opposed to working together and finding that sometimes being a skeptic means, you know, very much the same thing as, as it means to be a believer. You, you sort of just dismiss everything that doesn't align with your your perspective. That's why I don't like those terms like, well, I'm a skeptic of UFOs. Well, you do the exact same thing that the people who believe them without question do. You believe them without question or you deny them without question. And that doesn't help us get to any answers, especially when we're dealing with things that don't have a defined boundary that cross over into the mystical, that cross over the, the borderline of the physical and that cross over the, the, the line of our conscious mind into the subconscious. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very limiting to look at uh, things like belief and skepticism as ultimatums. Because I think that's how they're presented to people. Yes, they how are. People perceive them, at least. Yeah, but it really doesn't have to be that way, and I don't think it should be that way. I think it's healthy to be able to, um, you know, use and engage with both at any given time. Um, you know, just because you could be skeptical about. You know, this is a fun example I like to give um, just to just to kind of throw people off or, you know, get them engaged a little bit. Like, to me personally, um, I know there's a lot of different people that listen uh, to this show. I don't buy the whole flat earth thing, but I'm, al I, I'm always interested in having a conversation. I'll have a conversation with, with someone that, you know, I've had conversations with people I probably shouldn't have. It's like they were genuinely crazy, <laughs> you know, like at a bar or something. It's like, oh, wow, that, that, that wasn't just an eccentric person. That person was nuts. Um, but, you know, so I, I like having conversations with people that might be out of my realm of what I'm currently looking at or gauging or whatever, you know, because I think that that's, that's part of life. And, you know, someone once told me that you – as a best case scenario, just as a way to be improving yourself, like as a general rule of thumb, you should try to never be the smartest person in the room. Like you should always be surrounding yourself with people smarter than you so you can challenge yourself. And I kind of look at that in it's just life in general. Like 
not being insulated in my own bubble. I want to engage with people that are different than me and that don't agree with me on everything and that will challenge me. And, you know, that's kind of, that's what I like to bring to my work and the things like Black Hoodie Alchemy. And I don't know why that's not more of a precedent in media, but it doesn't seem to be. Well, I think part of that is because a lot of people have agendas, even if their agenda is belief and they're not consciously aware of it. And that doesn't yeah. that doesn't make me a better person than those people because, you know, in a way I have my own agenda. My agenda is I, I want people to think and every topic we cover on this show Monday through Friday is meant to be a thought experiment. And sometimes I do advocate for certain things. Sometimes I advocate for uh there's not a political motivation behind it, but sometimes I advocate for things like uh, maybe not eating as much processed food, taking better care of yourself. And those things filter over into the mystical and into the paranormal as well. Because if you go back into, uh, I guess you could call it esoteric history, but just even mainline history, you find the secret societies and the mystery schools in order to become initiated into the mysteries. It would be often the case that you would abstain from meat and sex and social contact and that would be so that you could better align yourself with the divine and with the spiritual realms. So if I do advocate for something, I try to show that there's a there's another angle to it. It's not a political thing. It's not a, even a personal bias. But there's a lot of different reasons we do things. And we need to, I think, look at all of the different uh, aspects and all of the different angles so we can have a better understanding of, of those things, whether we don't like them or we do like them. Like personally, I'm not a huge comic book fan, but I can appreciate really good writing and I can appreciate really good art. Personally, uh, kind of like you, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of all the Marvel movies and all the the DC movies, but I do like some of them and I'll go see them if it's a good story and if it's good acting. And I I'll, I'll, I've bought comic books before, but I need it to be something that's that's soulful. I need it to have meaning to it and purpose and not try to shove a a, a narrative or an agenda or a political thing down my throat which unfortunately, Anthony, seems to be how most entertainment and media works today. Whether you're on the left or the right, everything seems to be shoving an ideology down your throat. And, and there are very few things that are artistic expressions in one form or another that aren't trying to do that. And, and I think that that also applies to the, uh, I don't mean to, to rant about this, but the UFO community or paranormal investigations or communities that we consider more new age there's a very similar thing there. It might not be a political view, but it becomes a, 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 various, a, a varied form of that in the sense that people are trying to shove their ideology and their perspective of, of their respective viewpoint or whatever the topic might be on, uh, on other people. And I just feel like that is, that, is harmful to, uh, that is harmful to your movement or to your viewpoint. I, I think we should be able to have, even with those crazy people, have those conversations. That's what freedom of expression is really all about. I, I, I'm, I'm digressing from the point, but I, I wanted to ask you some more topical questions pertaining to what you're saying. Let, let's look at the UFO question. How do you feel from a psychological point of view and from a, from a uh, let's call it a Jungian point of view, about the sudden emergence of government confirmation of UFOs? that They're not saying they're aliens. They're just saying that there are certainly things there the Pentagon this last week has changed the name of their investigative office so that they're looking at all anomalies, including things that come out of the ocean. There, there certainly is a Jungian, there's a Carl Jung aspect to this, there's a Fortean aspect to this, there's, there's deep psychological elements to, to humans wanting to, to find that there are, there's something beyond Earth, that there's intelligence beyond us. 
Can, can you kind of uh, approach that from your, your your typical standpoint that that you address everything from, and give us a little bit of a perspective on uh, on this subject of UFOs and aliens and disclosure, if you will, please. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's a, a a fascinating can of worms that I enjoy uh, trying to get to the bottom of because it's one of the only fourteen like unexplainable fields. It might be the only, um, you know, if you're talking about like fleshy creatures like Bigfoot and aliens, they, this is, it, it, it really gets people riled up politically. And, and you have to deal with actual political gatekeeping, which is something that I always found really touch and go. Um, I was more involved just in like journalistic, uh, political journalism, um, at one point and it kind of burnt me out. Uh, you know, I found that I wanted to, I don't know, they, there's politics need to be addressed. Uh, but for me, I wanted to not stick with the, uh, with the headlines. I wanted to go in really niche directions and I hated the, uh, the dangling carrot of, uh, of the day's next news headline of, what did this idiot politician say this time? And, uh, oh, we should probably cover that. And, and it's the same thing with UFOs. What did this idiot politician say about UFOs this time? Oh, they, they said that they've seen stuff that they can't confirm and they can't confirm or deny anything, but they're very interested in this subject. Wow. You know, what a mind blower, like bombshell drop on this, on UFO disclosure. And that's all it ever is. You you know, people, you get people like, you know, Bob Lazar and all these different people that I don't really know, you know, the people, there are researchers that have spent their whole careers investigating, you know, ufologists, uh, whistleblowers like Lazar. And that's not a a subject that I can really vet out. But my point is um, all these, it, it, it all is highly questionable. Once you start getting into government agencies, it's just, on a certain level, if we're being realistic about it, there's no way all, all of us are going to be able to get the info. You know, it's, it's, it's locked up tight and there's no way that they're ever going to want us to have the info. So that's my perspective on the political angle of it. And so I being fed up with that at an early point, um, started looking into the more union aspects and the, the psychology of it all, because, um, living in Alaska, I, I've seen a handful of UFOs. Um, and there was, you know, there were a few occasions where it was weird and it was far enough away where, uh, you know, I wasn't really sure, but there was like at least four occasions in the years that I lived there where I saw things clearly, you know, it still could be government. I have no idea what it was, but they were by definition unidentified flying objects. You know, I saw a thing flying like a shooting star to a 90 degree angle. Uh, there was something that I, I, cause I don't think I've even said these on uh, the last shows that I've been on with you. So I'll, I'll mention them really briefly. Um, I saw one, it was silent. It was a triangle and it was like just over my rooftop, like maybe an extra house story above my rooftop. And it was that night, 3 AM in Alaska. I was up smoking a joint and, and you know, I have a pretty healthy tolerance. And so it's not like uh, it's not like I was blitzed out of my mind, but um, um, in fact, I I was just working up a buzz, and I see this thing come over the tree line, and it's a bright white light, 
And I think it's uh, a light from the lumber yard on the other side of the, the little woods there. So I slink down in my chair and I slouch down and I see that it doesn't catch the light. In fact, the light's getting closer. And so I just stand up and I watch this thing slowly, silently, this giant triangle move over my house. And, you know, I try to get to a vantage point so I can get closer to it. And it's, it's got this giant white orb at the bottom uh, between the two points of the triangle. And it's got a couple little red and blue lights. Um, but again, this thing is right over my rooftop. And then I just watch it continue, silently continue over the other rooftops and go deeper into the trees. And, and there was another time driving home, um, the same time of night, same general area. We're probably like 15, 20 minutes away, like on the like other side of town. But same type of woods. See this similar thing, bulbous, but with angles. It was like a bulbous triangle, um, and it would flash, and it would it, it would it would flash so brightly that everything around it looked like day, it, just for a second, and then it would go off for a handful of seconds and it would flash on again. And I, I was in a car with my friend, and you know we're interested in unexplainable stuff, but we don't like eat, sleep, and breathe UFOs. And if anything, I I figure it. To be honest, if I hadn't seen some UFOs, I would probably be interested in in it even less because of the political angle. But, you know, I can't help but wonder uh, what what are the things I saw. And again, we weren't able to follow this thing. This thing was uh, just above the tree line in the middle of the woods at night. So we were a little shaken. And it begs the question for me, if these things were actual technology how is it that no one else saw it? Um, it's not the eighties. So people can just go on Facebook and say, yo, I saw something crazy in the woods last night or Twitter or whatever. I don't know. I never saw anything. I looked around a little bit. Um, maybe just no one else saw it. I, I don't know. There's well, no way to ever, we have to take, yeah. a, we have to take a break, but let's talk about this in more detail in the next segment, sure. because I want to talk about the deep psychology of this and how, these things have been seen for thousands of years, and they were called shields or chariots in times when they didn't have airplanes. Now we have airplanes. We say, well, maybe that's a, that's a Chinese craft or a Russian craft or it's a foreign enemy, you know, an adversary or something like that. But when we start to see these things, people otherwise who wouldn't be, um, wouldn't be made aware of them if it weren't for media, if it weren't for Hollywood movies, etc., then they start to see things. How much of this is the question? How much of this is coming out of the subconscious? Are we manifesting these things? I want to get into that with Anthony Tyler when we come back from break. Stay with us. There's more after this on The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. This is David Icke from DavidIcke.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence. <laughs> I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. 
We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Anthony Tyler is with us this evening. He is the host of Black Hoodie Alchemy. You can find that on Apple Podcasts. And also two books, Dive Manual and Hunt Manual, looking into mysticism and demonology, Fortean phenomena and other things. A deep look into psychology and Anthony and I share quite a bit in common our interests in these subjects. I think he might be a little bit more schooled in the subject of uh, Jungian philosophy. And I want to want to address, as we were discussing in the first segment, the idea of looking into the skies and seeing things that are, for all intents and purposes, otherworldly. So we have the, the political angle to ufology. We also have the, admittedly, Anthony, we have the, the crazy angle. Some people are legitimately crazy, and uh, I've, I've met them just like you have. But some people, mm-hmm. some people are telling stories that I feel really happened to them. And I'm not going to name names of individuals who are both famous and not famous, but the, the whole idea is, because I don't, I don't necessarily dismiss or trust or whatever any, any specific story, but I, I want to know from your perspective, from, from your background in psychology and uh, 14 things and Jungian psychology, whether you said you were smoking a joint when you witnessed one of these craft. And 
I'll tell you, I haven't seen a flying triangle, but I've seen other things that I couldn't identify. For me, that could mean they're a satellite, the International Space Station. It could mean that it's a lot of things. I don't think that it's necessarily aliens. In fact, that's very low on my list of considerations. However, I'm interested in the subject, so I'm open to hearing all points of view. And a lot of the things I talk about on this show, uh, as a point of reference to, to, to state this, a lot of the things I talk about on the show probably go overboard for some people and, and seem like I'm a little bit crazy for saying them. So I, I've seen things, but I've never been on any form of substance. In fact, uh, for listeners who know me, I don't, uh, the, the, the worst I do is processed flour. And once, once in a great while I do processed sugar, I have a very strict <laughs> dietary habit. So I don't do any drugs and yet I've still seen things. So my question to you is when you look at something like DMT, for example, people tend to see the same things when under its influence. To me, that means that they're seeing things that are there and the drugs are actually, or maybe you don't call them drugs, but the substances are actually loosening the senses and allowing them to see other realms and other dimensions or other things that otherwise we wouldn't be able to see. And so I'm, I'm wondering what your point of view is in regard to that issue and in regard to the issue of UFOs in general, even going back thousands of years, these things have been seen in some capacity. What do you think is the reality of the situation? Do you think that those substances are helping people to see things that are actually there? And because we've collectively as a culture began to have uh, have a more interest in more interest in these things from academia and even politics, we're also starting to see things that might not actually be there in our world because we're projecting what we desire to see uh, out of, uh, you know, personal interest or, you know, for whatever the reason is. Um, we're seeing things that aren't actually there or when we're on certain substances or slip into altered states of consciousness, we see things that are there, but we need other things like those types of substances to help us see them. Does that make sense? And can you speak to that, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a... a a lot of good angles to, to look at here. And firstly, I, I think that trance state and just sort of the mystical experience is pretty crucial to understanding the UFO phenomena. And I think that drugs, uh, the psychedelic of the psychedelic variety will, uh, you know, kick you into those trance states more as even cannabis. And I think, I think in terms of seeing things that aren't there, I think that that's an accurate way to look at it. But and to clarify, I I don't think necessarily, you know, it's anything's possible at this rate. But I don't think that we're seeing things that are constantly lurking in the background um, of our immediate environment. More so, or like more to the point, I think that there's some sort of like conjuring thing going on, for lack of a better term. And um, I think that there's, you know, because I'm very wary when it comes to loose terms like laws of attraction, but I mean, you just look into basic tenets of mysticism or like occult practices, this idea of manifestation, you know, sort of incepting yourself and planting a seed and watching it grow from your mind to the environment around you is definitely a very basic alchemical principle. And I think that that is, largely what's happening with these things. Um, it's not entirely. And, and so I think that whatever you do, whether it's smoking a joint or hell, maybe even some yoga or just having like a really clean diet that gives you a clearer head, you know, whatever helps get you 
into a more refined, attuned state of mind. And it's not going to be constant, but I think some people live lifestyles that don't simply don't allow them to really slip into a place of serious contemplation uh, and reflection and even meditation. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever, you know, as, as, as long as you're able to facilitate that mind state in some way, it will come to you, whether it's just as simple as art or dreams or something a little more grandiose, like a UFO sighting or, you know, and this is part of hunt manual. Um, I, I take some time to, you know, do some legwork and explain some of the, uh, the neuroscience and abnormal psychology and things. Um, we look at like any psychological underpinnings of, um, unexplainable phenomena. Well, we can start with this because this plays into the union angle of the UFOs and it, it adds another thing into the mix. Um, the, you know, the old theory that poltergeist activity, uh, comes from, pre-adolescent or um, like children going through adolescence. And it's that sort of pubescent energy uh, that, that uh, like human alchemical transformation um, that causes a sort of like psychological whiplash and starts throwing things out in that union projection sense. Now we, you know, you, we could squabble about how that would be possible, but the fact of the matter is, there's plenty of cases that are bogus out there. And it's the same with UFOs. There's plenty of cases that are bogus out there, but we can look at certain cases and say, you know, even a skeptic is going to have a really hard time. Like there's, I won't go into too much details. I want to keep it on track, but there's a case that I go into in hunt manual uh, from the seventies that made headlines and everything where there was um, several, several accredited serious police officers of a police department in St. Catharines, Canada, that experienced a month-long poltergeist uh, checking up on this family and saw things levitate. They wrote all this in the police report, and you can see interviews about it a little bit to this day. This family was very hushed about it. They did not write any books. They didn't do any media interviews, and no one's been able to crack this case since. So what's going on here? There's something going on. So if we can just see, if cops can just see a couch levitate in front of them and, you know, People in Fatima, like 50,000, 70,000 people or something can see this uh, Mother Mary that, you know, Jacques Vallée likes to point out is very reminiscent of UFO phenomena. There's something's going on. You, you can't deny it, yeah, no matter how much of a skeptic you want to be. Um, so some of, that could, only- some of that could also be, Anthony, throughout history, and, and I can't speak to what it is, but some of that could be is throughout history we've learned things about nature and things that otherwise would be attributed to uh you know paranormal phenomena really are now understood through scientific processes which is all the paranormal is it's things that are abnormal and once we understand what they are they become normal we can identify them and they're not so mysterious anymore and then humans i think who are naturally inclined to investigate the darkness investigate the the mysterious we tend to individually and collectively lose interest in those things and, and now we just have things that we're still seeing the things our ancestors saw, experiencing those same things, but we don't have an understanding of them yet. So they still remain there on the fringe of, uh, of our world and of our dimension and of our understanding. That's exactly it, I think. Um, these things, we've been seeing them for a reason. And, you know, Jung likes to point out the difference between the extraterrestrial and the UFO. And even Jung pointed out himself because he wrote 
uh, a short book, I think it might be like 100 pages or something, about the UFO phenomena. And even he acknowledges he's not trying to find any sort of specific answer. He just wants to explore it. And UFOs, even back in the 50s when this was written, were showing up on radars. So there was some sort of presence to them. Uh, but, you know, it's... It, it's interesting to note the difference between the alien and the UFO and how if you look at it from a psychological or even mystical angle, they're not necessarily related. Or, I mean, they are related, but they're not necessarily always related. Um, and, you know, that's always kind of stuck with me. I think the more often you see that um, with aliens and UFOs, you know, cause if, if this is all mystical, the aliens don't have to be piloting anything. Uh, it's, it get pretty theoretical, but... Um, um, I think a lot of times, you know, we might be seeing things that, well, there's different ways you could slice this, but essentially the point I'm trying to, to cut to here is I don't think these things are from other planets, if I haven't made that clear. And I don't think that they are, you know, necessarily autonomous and, or I don't think that they're living mundane lives. You know, I don't think that they're conscious, sentient flesh and blood beings at all. Um, I think, um, you know, if anything, if we want to just stick with some terms that people can wrap their heads around, because you could come, there's so many different names throughout cultures for these things, but just something sort of more elemental or extra dimensional. Um, if it's, if it's not purely from the mind itself, because like I said, regardless of how deep you want to go with this, the ground, the groundwork of the, uh, the psychological aspect is, is absolutely there because you see it, you know, you look at the stats of, um, of the sightings, the UFO sightings of, of in America more so than everywhere else in the world. There's there's a clear and obvious evident psychological bias to the whole thing. You can see the UFO phenomena warp and mold according to uh, science fiction, you know. And then the, the actual even uh, even credible sightings will do the same thing. Um, and so where people weren't seeing UFOs like that until this movie came out and. And, you know, the more you look into it, the more you just simply can't deny it. Um, and, you know, we could we could toss out all sorts of uh, specific evidence. But, you know, to get to the, the Jungian perspective a little more, um, Jung mentioned how the UFO in its shape and presence in many cases, especially the saucer-like UFO, uh, was, excuse me, reminded him of a mandala. And I, I think it really harkens to the idea that the presence of a UFO in the sky is some sort of really undeniable. Whether or not you can make up your mind about it, you have to come face to face with um, existence itself and the scale of existence. And, you know, Jacques Vallée points out that throughout history, hermeticists uh, have been specifically interested uh, with flying things in the sky. And we can see throughout uh, ufology, the fact that uh, UFOs, and aliens themselves, whenever they encounter people, um, however credible or not it is, they're always, they're tricksters and uh, they never seem to really give honest answers. And they don't usually, you know, there's exceptions to every rule, but they don't honestly seem to come across malicious for the most part. But I don't think they're helpful. I don't think well, whatever like, they are. It's like they're, indi- it's like they're indifferent. Like H.P. Lovecraft said, uh, you know, it's like cosmicism. They're, they're not really interested yeah. in helping or hurting. They're these immensely powerful, intelligent, or for lack of a better word, otherworldly things that, like us walking by an anthill, don't really give us much consideration. Yes, and and 
because of all that, I see UFOs as, you know, some people might, uh, you know, disagree, but UFOs seem very quintessentially uh, hermetic to me in the sense that there is this sort of archetypal messenger aspect to it, you know, this uh, calling uh, existence and the scale of existence into question and, and sometimes even in more literal ways. And, but especially the thing that grabs my attention, because you can find this throughout paranormal phenomena just across the board, is the trickster element. Uh, almost as if they're riddling us. You know, because again, it doesn't seem to be malicious, but it seems like they're having a laugh at our expense. And it seems like they're almost, you know, this might just be my impression, but I think it's a very uh, John Keel sort of um, take as well. I think that they're part of the riddle and the humor is that they're flaunting, um, you know, like symbol. They don't speak literally, but they speak symbolically, sort of like a dream. And um, I think they're flaunting information that we don't understand in our faces and just kind of laughing. Well, that's kind of like um, that, that movie Arrival, too, the way that they communicated. That movie was about language and communication, which I thought was a, an interesting concept. And uh, the main character really, she was having a hard time understanding what they were saying because they were communicating in symbols and ideas rather than in direct right. language and speech. Which is, yeah, more uh, like how it would be, I, I would think. Um, but so, yeah, I, I, I do think that there's, if there's anything that the UFOs are here for, it is some sort of outpour of the collective consciousness. It's something that is a, a sort of, psychological ultimatum in a sense. And again, you don't have to decide on that ultimatum, but it cer certainly brings you to a crossroads where like once you've seen, once you've experienced paranormal activity or seen a UFO, it doesn't matter how skeptical you are. There's going to be a further shadow of a doubt and it's going to force, unless you do a lot of work to stuff it down, it's going to force you to ask a lot of questions. So I think that that in and of itself because when I'm looking at paranormal phenomena or ufology, I don't look to the government documents first and foremost. What I look to is the, the ramifications that the experiencers have had. You know, have they had, uh, and, and huge book sales don't always indicate that someone's a fraud. It definitely doesn't mean that they're always a fraud. But, you know, if someone's just doing the media circuit exclusively and really living in the limelight, and like that's, especially if they're, um, retired government officials who are doing that. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give that a whole lot of weight. Um, but well, so you, and you have to take everything with a grain of salt, right? But when you look at certainly. the regular people who have um, don't who don't stand anything to gain, they're not actively trying to gain anything. In fact, they're trying to continue to live a normal life, uh, and they just had to. If uh, they just had to get some of this out of there, that happens so often, and you can see the weight that these people take on and you know, we could, we could get into this more because uh, you know, I'd like to give you chances to jump in there too. But a lot of this, when you look at UFOs and paranormal phenomena, it plays out like a dream in the sense of dreams have these poignant messages. Um, even if they seem chaotic, they're conveying uh, messages that are trying to get across that can't get across in our mundane lives. Maybe they're helping you, animate aspects of your psyche that uh, are dormant in your mundane everyday life. And I think that when we experience uh, UFOs and paranormal phenomena, it's one of the apexes of that 
of that process. Yeah. So uh, uh, virtually everything you've said, talk about synchronicity. I've had written down or I pulled a book out or I had it pulled up on the internet. As you were talking, I was thinking of things and I would pull something up or I, I actually pulled a book out here with a quote from, from young. And, uh, nice. as I pulled it out or as I looked it up online, you would then mention what I was thinking about. So, for example, I, I pulled this up. This is a good example of, of what you were saying in regard to once you see things in a movie, they start to happen in real life. One of those examples, I think, is the movie Independence Day, which is one of my favorite movies. It came out in July of 1996, and this was really the first time that the public in a, in a Hollywood film saw something so magnificent as a spaceship that was literally several miles or more than that even wide and the thing literally would overtake an entire city that was you know the size of the ship i'm sure most people have seen independence day but then after mm -hmm. independence day within within just a few months we had the infamous march 1997 phoenix lights now uh the doctor who was filming and videoing this she had a link a tie she had actually documented this for months before but when the public saw this giant object that was tracked over several states, that object was, was huge. It was immense. It was very large. And it was reminiscent of something from Independence Day. And that was really the first time we saw something like that in either popular culture or in real-life, real-world events. So that's, I think, a, I always use that example. It's a great example. You have Independence Day with big city-sized ships. And then within a few months, you have people in multiple states particularly in Phoenix, in Arizona, here where I am. And that's what people were seeing. Mass, a massive thing called a ship, call it whatever, that was essentially hovering or moving uh, over top of uh, Phoenix. And then it, I mean, it was really more of a triangular object, but a lot of people remember it as something that was more round. But it was a triangular object, but it was huge. It was immense. So I think that's a really great example. And then another one, and I thought this before you brought it up uh, earlier in this segment, um, I'm from St. Pete, Florida, and when I was a kid, I remember my mom took me to the, um, it was in Clearwater, Florida, right up the road from where I lived. Uh, there was the, um, this office building there, and this office building had a, had a water stain on the side of it, and people saw the Virgin Mary. And they still, I think there's still a shrine there, they call it Our Lady of Clearwater, the Virginia, wow. or the Virgin Mary, not Virginia, the Virgin Mary building. And, you know, that's, see, the thing is, when I, I went to see that when I was a kid, so I remember that, and it's like this apparition on the side of the building, and people see that, it has meaning to them, and it has purpose, and it could just be a water stain, or it could be a water stain initiated by, by uh, otherworldly forces, by, di by d divine forces. So there's all sorts of ways to look at it, but when I think of something like the, the, the Mary uh, apparitions, you even mentioned Fatima, I always think of, like, pareidolia. I think that it's not to dismiss what people are seeing, but that just as much as skeptics and maybe atheists would dismiss it and say, I don't believe that, that's just a water stain, we love science. When you have people that take such meaning from it, it becomes religious, it becomes a, a shrine or it becomes an altar, if you will, to those divine things. And those people see purpose for very similar reasons because they want to believe it, it becomes reality it becomes true and i think it's the same thing for people that they don't want to believe in things that are beyond the normal so they don't look for them they don't investigate them they don't research them or they research them and investigate them with the intention to disprove them 
And I don't find that to be a proper way of investigating anything to try and prove it or to try and disprove it. I think analyzing the data and the information before you and then coming to a conclusion, which some researchers honestly do in any field, that gives us a much better idea, a much clearer idea of what we're dealing with. And on that point, I actually pulled up a Carl Jung quote from a book before you mentioned, so funny, Anthony, you mentioned that, uh, you know, that these UFOs in relation to Jung, that they had, they had like uh, come, uh, they'd been picked up on radar. Funny enough, that's, mm-hmm. actually, that's actually the quote that I have here. It's, uh, this is Carl Jung writing. He said, the only thing we can say with tolerable certainty about UFOs is that they possess a surface which can be seen by the eye and at the same time throws back a radar echo. When we're looking at the psychology of this, I call it kind of UFO pareidolia sometimes. We're looking at people's desire to believe or people's desire to disbelieve. The whole subject of UFOs, and we're going to transition in the next hour into something different with you, but the whole subject of UFOs and the paranormal and and, and what we call the the um, the extra senses that we have, all of this is, I think, more deeply rooted in psychology than it's rooted in what we consider to be the scientific process to look for these nuts and bolts craft or craft or to look into other solar systems and planets and try to find signatures of alien life. Like I think the real evidence and proof of these things are found within the human mind more so than they are with a giant telescope. Absolutely, it's like. It's kind of encapsulated with uh, with uh, von Daniken's Chariot of the Gods. Um, like I think that's such, a, that's such an interesting concept and a useful study to look at the commonalities of these things throughout history and cultures. But I don't think we're looking at flesh and blood and nuts and bolts. But that doesn't mean that we have like it, again. It doesn't mean you have to be a believer or a skeptic. We could just look at the body of evidence and. You know, Carl Sagan's got a great quote specifically about UFOs where I definitely don't remember, I'll paraphrase, but, you know, he just says, like, I don't have to make up my mind about it and I don't need to. He's like, I could, is it, you know, theoretically they're out there somewhere. Are they visiting us? I have no idea. You know, we'll see. And, right, and, right. and if you if you need more than that, you might need to pump the brakes a little bit because it'd be great to have more than that, but you don't have to get corny, but it's kind of the, the, the journey and the pursuit more than the attainment in the long run. And also you said something about, we mentioned language and speech and how those kinds, kinds of interactions might take place and how we might be um, under the influence of some form of communication. And we don't even realize we're being communicated to in these ways, whether that's a completely different entity or it's a projection of our, of ourselves. I always think mm-hmm. of, um, I have a slightly different take on this, but I always think of Native Americans and Europeans. For, for hundreds of years, Europeans and Native Americans had uh, good trade. They had married. Some natives were, were truly savage, just like some Europeans were truly savage. But, but the whole point, mm-hmm. of, whole point of the idea, if you study this history, is that you can find that there were a lot of tribes that didn't believe in the selling of, of their native land, but others did. And when they would sell that land, they would sell it for things that today we think, oh, that's that's I mean, Europeans ripped the natives off. That's not worth what they paid for it. And it's like, well, one, we're projecting our current situation today, contemporary economics on something that happened three, four hundred years ago or even longer. But two, Native Americans who did believe in private property had a completely different economic system than Europeans. So that's just here on planet Earth. If you project that to to the universe 
or to other dimensions, anything we interact with that is not a projection of ourselves is likely to have a completely, I mean, truly alien way of looking at things that we cannot comprehend. And that makes me me wonder if a lot of the things that uh, we're looking for, we're looking for the wrong things and we're looking in the wrong places and uh, the things that otherwise maybe are trying to communicate with us or that maybe are here that aren't subconscious projections or part of our conscious mind seeing things that we want to see or seeing things that quote unquote aren't there um, that we're not going to be able to understand it because it would be like us getting down on an anthill and trying to talk to the ants and tell them what we think they're not going to understand us. I mean, this is, this is kind of the, the paradox of, of all possibility and uh, the, the complexity of life in the universe. And these are just fascinating things. It's kind of a thought experiment again tonight with, with Anthony Tyler here on The Secret mm-hmm. Teachings. Black Hoodie Alchemy and the Dive Manual and Hunt Manual, those books are available on Amazon, correct? Yes, sir. All right, and we're going to take a short break. We'll come back the bottom of the next hour, and we're going to dive even deeper and hunt down some more psychological themes. Maybe talk about comics a little bit. We'll see what the conversation goes. Stay with us. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. This is Linda Godfrey, author of Monsters Among Us, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory, it's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell 
and you're listening to The Secret Teachings, excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call out to the fallout back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and on Twitter at tst underscore underscore radio. On our website, thesecretteachings.info, you can find copies of my books. That's the only place you can buy them, secretteachings.info. You can also find our subscription service to our full archive, so you can download and stream shows without annoying monetized advertisements, which uh, I do not put into those shows on the free players, by the way. That is uh, automatically done through an algorithm, so those are not my ads. If you want to get rid of those, though, subscribe to the archive. You get access not only to the show, but to our montages, digital copies of my books, and you get access to a private RSS feed. So you can plug that into your radio or podcast player and listen to the show that way. So you'll get the updates for the show every day. And then you'll also, um, you know, not have to, to listen to those monetized advertisements. So and if you're having trouble uh, listening to the show on any platform, please let me know as Dozens of you have. There have been glitches on TalkStream Live or a glitch on Google Play. Let me know so I can let the appropriate individuals know, but we never have any issues on GroundZero.radio or on the Aftermath app. So if you have uh, have an issue otherwise, please check those that website and that app out, and that'll probably be the easiest way to listen that's uh, very consistent. Or again, just subscribe to the show and listen uh, to the show after it airs, or do both, whatever whatever works best for you. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, though, please leave us a review and let us know what you think of the show, especially it lets other people know what you think of the show. And uh, we've got some very good ratings over on those Apple Podcast uh, reviews. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for supporting the show, The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Ground Zero and Clyde Lewis. Our guest this evening host of Black Hoodie Alchemy. He's got some good reviews, five stars over on Apple Podcasts. It's a podcast I'd recommend you go check out. Also, his two books, Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism, and then his newer book, Hunt Manual. And these aren't like wildly expensive books. They're, they're relatively cheap and they're hardcover uh, for like $17 on Amazon. Hunt Manual, 21st Century Demonology, and Fortina, I guess that's, Fortean, like uh, Charles Fort, which I know a lot of uh, a lot of you listening uh, enjoy the work of Charles Fort. I know Clyde's also a big Fortean as well. So we have Anthony Tyler with us on the broadcast. We spent the first hour discussing the subject and the psychology, an interesting perspective, I believe, on UFOs and the paranormal. And uh, during the break, I was talking to Anthony about a book. I don't get 
you know, uh, paid to promote it. And I'm not really promoting it. I'm just simply saying this is a good book to read. Uh, one of the few authors I've never gotten to interview that I'd like to interview, Graham Hancock. Graham Hancock wrote a book called Supernatural. And it deals with everything from DNA to DMT to UFOs. And he also references quite a bit of what we talked about in the first hour with, with, uh, with our guests this evening. And, and one of the things that was interesting in this book, and I, I'd heard about it before, I'd read about it before, I'd thought about it before, but he really put it into perspective, is, uh, Anthony, when you look at things like DMT experience and what people see on DMT or on ayahuasca, it's virtually identical to what people see when they've been the, uh, the victim of an alien abduction, let's call it, for lack of better terminology, or when they've seen a UFO, or when they've been in their bedroom at night and they've experienced something seemingly otherworldly. Uh, he explained how, I'll give you a few quick examples, he explained how the, the idea of going into another world or being on a ship, being taken into the sky, being experimented on, even dismembered and put back together, having implants put in your body, or in the case of ayahuasca and DMT, it's usually like a crystal or a rock that's put in your body. And usually you, you come back to be a healer, as in a shaman, or you come back to, you want to take care of the environment and take care of others, and that's the positive uh, you know, alien abduction experience. But the difference between shamans and modern UFO abductees is virtually identical. And I, I went to Roswell for the 75th anniversary uh, here at the beginning of July, and I was there was a panel of Travis Walton and a, and a few other people, and I I just asked a general question. I said, "What do you guys think about you know this this connection between UFO abductees and shamanism, and how for tens of thousands of years people have experienced the same thing? They just didn't call it UFOs or aliens. They called them well in the Victorian age it was called uh, fairies, but they called them monsters or serpents and demons and all sorts of other things." Nobody really ans answered the question in full, but as I was explaining it, there was there, Anthony. There was a guy uh, like one row ahead of me to the left, and he was just shaking his head very aggressively. And he came up to me afterwards, and he's like, "No, you're wrong." And I said, oh, "Okay, well, how am I wrong? I, I wasn't even trying to be right. I just how am I wrong?" And, and he said, "It's the Anunnaki, man. It's the Anunnaki." And I said, "Well, what does that have to do with what I said? What does that have to do with shamanism? None of that matters. It's just the Anunnaki." And so. <laughs> I got a laugh out of that, that but that, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's the classic, uh, yeah. you get one or two of those in a crowd. But the point is, the difference between shamanism and alien abductees is, is that there isn't really much of a difference. And the psychology there, I don't think, uh, could be lost on somebody like yourself. Yeah, absolutely not. I've had a very similar conversation before, and it's just, it's, it's a face palm, and it's a little funny, just like, man, these people... They exist and they're out there right now. I mean, I'm sure they're nice people and all, but that's just such a, that's such a fallacy. Like you just, you jump into so many hoops. Um, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, but, uh, yeah. So to the psychology of it, um, uh, I've also, I've been interested in the commonalities between really, especially really intense versions of uh, sleep paralysis phenomena and UFO abductions. And there's a lot of overlap there as well. And that, again, that gets you right to the exact same threshold of altered states of consciousness and uh, the symbolism that the brain uses to interpret things um, that it doesn't really have an understanding of. And that's the that's the that's the old hag on your chest 
there's famous paintings of that, the demon on the chest having trouble breathing. I, I mean, I think that originates with sleep paralysis. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the the idea of the nightmare is the female, uh, the succubus um, of the night coming and uh, slinking through your keyhole and then strangling you on your chest. And, you know, they've done all the science now to show the biological aspects of it. You know, there's a constricted breathing and it, what it essentially is, is your body is shutting down, but you, you know, there's a little bit of a jam in your sleep process for lack of better or for, for more complex terms. Um, and your brain is still on alert and it's trying to, um, interpret your bodily map, but it's not really there anymore. Not in the sense it was. So it kind of goes haywire and starts projecting. Um, and at that point it's sort of, because, you know, you can look into the neurology of good experiences versus bad experiences. It's much easier to recall negative experiences. And, um, you keep like 10 negative memories and active recall for every one or something like that. So it follows through that, you know, unless you're, you've taken steps to honestly discipline a little bit, uh, and not in like a way where you're, it's not like a negative, it's not a personal judgment, but you have to like refine your mind a little bit, kind of like going to the gym. It takes effort. Otherwise, and this is all part of alchemy is why I appreciate alchemy so much. The negative things are going to come first. It's sort of a purgative aspect. And I think that's why a lot of times paranormal phenomena is so jarring. And, um, I think, you know, when you look into sleep phenomena, whether it be sleep paralysis and the the shadow people and the hags that you see, um, or, or dreams, they, and, and, and just the mystical experience in general, um, for me, and I know a lot of other people, it becomes just absolutely undeniable that there are way too many, commonalities it fits far too seamlessly uh the mystical with the paranormal not to be stemming from the same mechanisms what 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 do you think the reason for that is in regard to the the way that we keep these negative uh, memories and thoughts is it i I mean off the top of my head it sounds kind of like it's a it's a self-preservation mechanism that we're aware of the negative we're aware of threats are in our environment consciously and unconsciously and subconsciously so we're retaining the negative so that we can perhaps defend ourselves from those uh, potentially harmful things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think for so much of human history, it was not so much about contentness or happiness. It was just negativity or downright horror uh, as opposed to survival. And survival was oftentimes the best you got. Um, and you didn't even have enough time to sit and consider what contentment might be like. Um, and you know, the further we get along, the more people have, you know, even if you are stuck in the rat race, we have more time than ever to reflect. Um, you know, it's nice to have your own space. You know, almost anybody has at least their own room to go to. And, you know, everyone has, uh, the, the option to meditate or reflect on their life a little bit where, yeah, we certainly didn't when we were cave dwellers hunting for our food like that. And, and even much longer after that, for that matter. But so I, I think we've, you know, wherever that shift really happens somewhere around, uh, like, uh, varying degrees of industrial revolutions. Um, 
it uh, it's gotten to a point where we need to exercise that contentment more. I mean, it, as far as I see it, especially, you know, I don't think I'm certainly not the only one to say this, but contentment is something like happiness or positivity. It's not something that you find. It's something that you, you tend to like a garden. Um, and you know, it, 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 it takes daily maintenance. Um, and I think that a garden, especially since it kind of flows with the alchemical aspect of it all is a great, uh, perspective on it because you can see that if you don't tend to a garden, weeds are going to overcrowd the beautiful plants much easier. And you don't need to do anything for those weeds. All you need to do is just leave them alone, you know? And so I think that it's just, um, you know, cause you know, good positive, negative to a degree, it's all scale. Um, and I think that it's, if you want to get to like the deepest point, I think it has to do with just taking the reins of your own existence and deciding what you want to do rather than being led by the nose, honestly. Well, that's a, that's a good point. If you think about that for a second, when you use the garden analogy, I mean, that's the whole idea of, uh, you know, idle hands are the, the tools of the devil because it's really easy to be evil. It's really easy to be lazy. It's really easy to be a bum or to be a degenerate or whatever, but it's, it's not easy to refine yourself. It's not easy to lead yourself through a process of whether people choose to call it alchemy or not. It is alchemy in one sense or another. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to refine yourself and especially hard to maintain those refinements. That is until, I mean, in my opinion, I think that once you you've done it for long enough and there's actually a lot of there's a lot of lifestyle medicine doctors because I, I read a lot of lifestyle medicine like nutrition and stuff like that who actually use mm-hmm. this use this as an example to help people lose weight and, and to help people um, reverse their degenerative diseases. And that is it's habitual when you get into a habit of doing things, then it becomes easier. So if you get into a habit of doing something really simple, which is destructive, it's even harder to get out of. But when you get into the habit of doing something good, you start to reap the benefits of that. It just takes a while to get there. And you realize, well, this is really what I want to be doing. And once you get into the habit of doing it, it makes it easier to maintain after a certain period of time, I guess, depending on what it is. But the whole point is, it's really easy to be evil. It's not as easy to be quote unquote good which is just God with an extra O, just like evil is the devil without a, without a D. It's easier to be evil than it is to be good. Absolutely, yeah. And it's much easier to be chaotic than it is to be organized. Um, and you know, a lot of people just don't want to do the legwork to uh, it, you know, create systems, whether it be psychological or physical in their lives. Um, and I get it. It's, I think we all want and need room for spontaneity, but you know, there's something about um, ritualizing aspects of your life um, in in ways that don't have to be grandiose, you know, just like uh, just having a cup of coffee in the morning. If if you do that every day, that's that's part of your morning ritual, you know. And they, I, I think people pursue, you know, not to say that everything in moderation, right? Some hedonism can be fun, but people pursue just purely hedonistic indulgences because they think. You know, because there's a famine mentality. It's like, well, I, I, you know, because I've been grinding it out and paying all these bills, now I have an opportunity. So I'm just going to binge whatever thing I have at the moment. And I'm just going to go all out. And, you know, I think that that 
is really easy to do and a little somewhat appealing, uh, especially in the world we live in now. But um, it's it's so much. You have a lot more longevity, and you have a lot more stability if you kind of just work those things into your everyday life a little bit. You know, you, it sounds you know tedious to to sit down ten, fifteen minutes, five minutes to meditate every day. I'm not even doing it right now. I have plenty in the past, and I don't know. There's just something about the human experience where we're always oscillating in and out and being bounced in and out of our habits and our orbits and routines. But there's something about the 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 presence of trying to and maintaining those routines and rituals and ceremonies that um, is crucial to a healthy human experience, I think. And that just, it just shows throughout all of our history. I mean, we truly would not be where we are today if not for what I just laid out right there. Um, and how, you know, ancient humans did that uh, before science and, and art as we know it now, it was specifically religion and spirituality and these symbols and things that a skeptic would laugh off as superstitions. You know, these things, were imbued with a great deal with, 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 with crucial aspects of, um, you know, the survivability of the, the human race. Wasn't it kind of funny because, and I've experienced this myself, I'll catch myself thinking, okay, I, I've got like an hour to kill and I could, um, I could read a book for an hour, uh, or I could uh, do something else. And in the process of thinking that I'm like, well, I guess I don't really have time to read a book. I'll, I'll just I'll watch a movie or something. I'll watch a TV show. It's like that. The difference between I could do something very productive and that could that could benefit me, but I don't have time to meditate for 15 minutes. But I do have time to watch this 30 minute TV show. So I don't have time to right. do something that's pr- productive, but I do have some time to do something that's destructive, if if you will, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah, and you know we all—that's that's just an ebb and flow of the of being a human there. But I think if you're not on some level um, focusing on trying to ground yourself and improve yourself, and, you know, and also have grace for yourself, like you don't have to be too hard. But I, I think just taking steps—that's the biggest part. And yeah, if you're not doing that, the weeds are going to grow. And then and, and then you could get something as simple as a really bad you know, credit ruining shopping habit or a drug addiction or, 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 you know, if we're following with this conversation, you could get something because of chaos theory and preconditions in your life and your state of consciousness at the moment, maybe where you are, maybe you might see Bigfoot, who knows, you know, you might see a ghost. True. And yes. I, but, but I think that the takeaway is that if we don't take time to, ground ourselves and not only that but sort of shift through the unknown in our own lives and in our own psyches and um some of the terms with some of those things they're eventually going to spill out in some way and it could just be dreams or your gravitation in art whether what you create or experience um or again something far more paranormal potentially who knows it's funny because I keep saying it's funny because I really do get a kick out of it. It's funny because you see this in politics. You see this in the paranormal. You see, you see this in pretty much any mainstream and even less than mainstream uh, subject. Um, I'm not taking a political stand by saying this, but you see people that blindly 
hate somebody like Donald Trump, but they can't give you a reason why they hate him without repeating what the news tells them. And it's the same thing with Joe Biden. So we use two parts of the political spectrum here. It's like, why do you not like this person? Oh, this, this, and this. But this, this, and this is exactly what CNN or Fox News said. It's not even like your own thought. And I think it's the same yeah. thing with, with, with UFOs. It's like, why do you not believe or what? And believe is not the right word, but like, why, why do you think UFOs aren't real? All because of this, this, and this, and this. But then this, 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 and this is basically a Discovery Channel show with physicists who say, oh, well, the, the aliens couldn't come here because we don't have the technology to travel that fast. There's no chance they have the technology to travel that fast. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not saying that our entire culture is manufactured through what we see in, in media or in, you know, in Hollywood, et cetera. Those things certainly contribute to it. A lot of it is taking individual responsibility, which I am an advocate for. Uh, taking individual responsibility and and that doesn't mean, you know, a, a job necessarily and making sure you can pay your bills. But that means taking responsibility for your emotions. And I feel like, Anthony, that we have we have a cultural trend today where that is considered almost hurtful or offensive or aggressive. And what is what is allowed for in our our I guess you could call it our culture is for an outpouring of emotion without any checks or balances from everybody, Republican, Democrat, politically speaking, it doesn't really matter, or people that are interested in UFOs, whatever the case is. But we're allowing emotion, I think, at least in the 21st century, more than ever in the last 22 years, to dominate everything from news to entertainment to even discussions about things that are Otherwise, not political emotion seems to dominate all of it. And when we allow emotion to dominate all of it without any restriction, chaos and trickery truly become our masters and our rulers. And that is a very dangerous precedent to set. Yeah, hit the nail on the head. I completely agree. Um, it's weird. We live in a world today where propaganda is uh, a bombardment. It's not so much trying to sell a specific line. It gives so many lines that no one understands what the hell is happening anymore. And, and just while everyone's so confused trying to figure out what the truth is, we just keep doing what it is we do the whole time. Do you find it interesting? I don't mean to cut you off, but do you find it interesting? There's this, there's this like cultural idea that you are entitled to your own opinion, but not entitled to your own facts. Yet what often is the case, especially if you, if you actually watch news, what happens is you have people that have this, accreditation of being on television or they have the the credit of going to an Ivy League school, their opinions become the facts. And people that don't have any form of accreditation, they didn't get a college degree and they're not on TV, maybe they're on radio, they 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 present something that is factual, that is a statistical fact, yet it's perceived as an opinion because they don't have the the, the credit to back them up. And there's a lot of different angles and, and reasons for that, I'm sure. But I, I've noticed that, especially in, in radio over the years, is that if you don't have the big degree and if you're not on CNN or Fox News, your facts become opinions. But if you are from an Ivy League school or you are on a TV network or whatever, your opinions are interpreted then as fact. And I think there's a perceptual, a, a perceptual um, error or a perceptual uh, malfunction there that personally I find to be uh, I find that to be very dangerous and I find that to be uh, something that should be more consciously addressed if that makes sense I'm, I'm, I don't mean to 
I, I don't think that's diverting from the main subject, but it's just a thought I've had. No. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point. And, uh, it's one of the reasons that I became so tired of, uh, keeping up with the news. I still stay informed, but I don't, uh, not in the, yeah, not in that dangling carrot sort of way, because who are really dangling the carrots anyway? You know, there, I if you look into backstories of, of socialites and, and the elite, um, you know, you find that like a lot of these people, this is just one example. It's just kind of where my mind went to, but a lot of these people go to the same schools, you know, politicians, kids go to the schools as the, uh, the, the tech giants and the, the biggest celebrities and, and athletes. There's so much intermingling. And I mean, it, when I see stuff like that, because yeah, I mean, those are people who are just accredited because they grew up in a certain area and had enough money to get a piece of paper that said that they were, you know, had enough schooling to go and give their opinion on a news network. And, and now their opinion becomes fact. Um, it's like, it's it's like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. They've been, I don't know if you've watched that show, but they've been certified not to have donkey brains. (laughs) Yeah, man. I don't care how popular that show gets. It's popular for a reason. It's a great show. Uh, that's like something that deserves mainstream success. I love that show. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> um, me too. Go ahead. Yeah, a Donkey Brains, man. Absolutely. Great example. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's more power to anyone who happens to uh, be birthed into affluence. So, you know, that's not the beef here, but it, it's very obvious that today's and I'm I'm not the first one to say this by any stretch but today's elite and socialites are just a different ruling class that we've seen time immemorial in the human race I mean um, not to get too deep into politics because I don't know what the solution is and it's certainly not communism but um, yeah we could could definitely see the flaws of capitalism yeah and I don't know where that goes um, because I think capitalism is probably the best bet we have, honestly. Um, but it's still extremely dog eat dog and it, uh, yeah, it's a tough go well, out there these days, man. There's no doubt. Well, yeah. And I, and I didn't intend to get into politics, but it's just that observation of opinion. No, it's good stuff. Opinion becomes fact, fact becomes opinion. And I think that for our final segment tonight, we can carry that over into discussing what you brought up at the beginning of the, the last segment or this segment. And that is, uh, you know, like the nightmare and the, the hat man and these dark shadows that we see in our rooms at night and the, the, the sleep paralysis. Uh, I've experienced it, but I've also experienced things that are certainly part of my waking conscious life that otherwise might be attributed to sleep paralysis. And this whole this whole amalgamation of things I want to talk to you about when we come back from break, because it filters into everything else we've discussed tonight. Anthony Tyler, our guest this evening. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio. Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. And The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable. 
you're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. The music tonight, as every night, White Bat Audio on YouTube. They are nice enough to let us, let us use their music, and we've been using it for probably about a year now. White Bat Audio on YouTube. That is all the bumper music that you hear. Uh, the montages that we play, otherwise, are all in our archive at thesecretteachings.info, and uh, I make those montages just like I prepare and host each one of these shows. So I really appreciate all of the support that whether you buy a book or you subscribe or you send us an email letting us know what you think of the show. I really appreciate all the support that you give us, uh, you give me directly. Really does truly keep us on air Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Ground Zero and Clyde Lewis on Ground Zero Radio and on the other platforms. Of course, you listen to this show later, including our website again, thesecretteachings.info. Our guest this evening, Anthony Tyler. He is the host of Black Hoodie Alchemy. He's also author of a couple of books, Dive Manual and Hunt Manual. Whether you're interested in demonology or 14 subjects, 14 phenomena, or you're interested in mysticism and psychology, he breaks all of that down in his books. And like we've been doing tonight, we've been looking into the other worlds, other dimensions, uh, other parts of our physical and non-corporeal existence. We've been looking past the, the border of consciousness and the subconscious and the unconscious. And when you look into these worlds, you find demons and you find monsters and you find aliens, for lack of a better word. You find things that are uh, sometimes spooky and sometimes scary. One of the things that 
intrigued me when I started to read about the esoteric and the occult was a, a book written by an individual named Jonathan Black uh, or Mark Booth. And I don't know if anybody ever, has ever actually interviewed the guy except for me. He might have done a few shows here or there, but he has a he has like a speech impediment. So it's it's kind of hard to understand what he's saying. So he doesn't do a lot of interviews, but his books were, were just absolutely genius. And he ex- he explained how these demons that we see in our dreams and in our experiences in the esoteric tradition, a lot of demons were actually seen as beneficial elements or elementals or creatures because those demons are merely the aspects of ourself or the aspects of projections of ourself that are trying to rip away with their claws and their teeth. They're trying to rip away our imperfections so that we can once again, through an alchemical transformation, connect with source and connect with the divine. So the demons, like our demons, the, the daemons, the things that haunt us, those are things that we need to slay, like the dragon, like the, the great beast. It's the animal sacrifice. It's not a, a literal animal sacrifice per se. It's the sacrificing of our animal selves so that we can become elevated in the eyes of God, for lack of a better word. And those are the kinds of things, like when I, I started reading about this stuff, Anthony, it, it really blew my mind because I grew up in a Christian household and then I... As I got older, I'm 18, 19, I started to think, well, maybe I'm an atheist. I don't like this Christian stuff. So like, I went to the opposite end of the spectrum. And then I realized I don't have to be either one of those things. I'm just going to read about things that fascinate me and interest me. And as I started to do that, I, I gained this whole new perspective on the world where the line between good and evil was, was very thin. It was there, but it's very thin. But, it, but it's not the same good and evil that we define even in moral terms. When we break things down to good and evil, God and the devil, or uh, angels and demons, there's a much closer association between the two, and circumstance and perception, all of these psychological elements really help to define what those things mean in, in their individual context. So, as we were discussing earlier, you brought this up in the, in the third segment, the last segment tonight, uh, we were talking about the night mar and the the creature the the incubus the succubus that sets on your chest and, and provides that pressure and how that idea today we understand scientifically is sleep paralysis and there are cases i've experienced myself that you're not dealing with sleep paralysis where you're very much wide awake and yet you're experiencing these things and you know i've never really seen a you know a, a classical ufo uh but i've looked for them Yet I've seen plenty of things that could be defined as alien or demonic or whatever, never taken drugs. And these were things that I saw mostly when I was a kid, which makes me think that, and this is my question to you, Anthony, children in particular, and especially people that might be in a more childlike state, but people that see things that in, in, in terms of sleep paralysis, when you're, you're um, very vulnerable, which, you know, all children are vulnerable to, they can fend for themselves. When you're in a vulnerable state, especially as a child, and you see these things, I wonder if the, the vulnerable state uh, has something to do or the lack of full conscious awareness, like taking DMT or ayahuasca and, and, and kind of whittling down those, those senses, allows you to see things that otherwise you wouldn't see. And, and they might not be flesh and blood, but they are, they are there in some capacity, which brings me to the, the hat man or the smiling man or the little tiny creatures like fairies or elves or call them gray aliens that people see in their rooms at night. 
And then I started to learn what these things were, and I realized a lot of it is, is, is in the mind more so than it is a physical thing that can cause you harm. So I mean, not that it can't cause you harm, of course, in the mind as well, because that's where pain is. But the whole idea of, of these projections of the subconscious, as, as I'm calling them tonight, the, the, the shadows in the corner of the room, the aliens or whatever, they all seem to be an amalgamation of the very same thing. Again, demons, angels, smiling man, hat man, or gray aliens, whatever you want to call them, they all seem to have the same, the same foundation, the same base. And again, I think that really is uh, in the human psyche. I think that's human um, consciousness and psychology or the lack of consciousness that allows us to see these things uh, in, in, in instances and circumstances where the lines between what we consider real and what we consider unreal, which might actually be real, uh, tend to be blurred. I know it's a, that's kind of a lot, but those are my thoughts. And I wanted to start this segment with, the, with those thoughts and your, your take on that. Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely think you hit the nail on the head with uh, the, the childlike wonder and the vulnerability. Um, vulnerability being a key word, even if it's purely in a psychological sense, um, there's, that's, that's, a, that's sort of a crucial axiom to most mystical encounters, um, whether you be speaking with God or the devil, you know, there's, there's offerings involved and there's a sense of vulnerability. And I think that without that, we wouldn't get these, um, because I think that part of an altered state of consciousness is vulnerability because, you know, it's, you can see with psychedelic chemicals, for instance, it literally puts your brain in a more malleable state where you're, you're rewriting neural patterns faster and you're doing things in to your brain, uh, you know, for better or worse, you know, potentially sometimes that, um, that you're doing things to your brain that would take much longer and would, would feed more into what we talked about in one of the other segments about habits and things, you know, you can, you can jumble, you can cram, you know, like three weeks worth of habits being very general with my numbers here into one psychedelic experience that could change your life forever. So you could use those things properly. And there's a huge state of vulnerability there because, you know, that same mystical experience for you and your friend at your house uh, could be very traumatizing if you went to a public event and especially if that event went wrong, you know, so on the same drugs. Um, and, you know, and, and so I think there's a kaleidoscope thing going on, you know, it, it depends a lot to do with your beliefs and possession and exorcism is interesting. I won't get into that too much, but all this you can find explored in hunt manual, especially, but, you know, the idea that we'll find certain artifacts, quote unquote, similar to implants in like possession victims, people vomit out objects, but those things like never seem to leave the rooms ever. People will hold them, people will see them. It's the point being, I think, you know, whether you're extremely Christian or really into UFOs or, you know, have a skeptical mind, I think that if you allow yourself to get into that vulnerable trance state, for better or worse, um, whatever's in there is going to come out, you know, and it's just going to be however you shook up that kaleidoscope, you know, your entire life so far. Uh, but I think that they're all basic tenets. That's why I like archetypes the most because, in, you know, in union psychology, the archetypes are not real in the, in, in, in like the, the sense that people think like the archetype of Hermes, for example, it doesn't mean that Hermes is a literal, God out there, it means that um, 
Hermes and, and all these other symbols are imbued with the essence of, you know, like Hermes is a bit more multifaceted. Let's go with Ares, the god of war. Um, it, that, that is the, uh, the imbued with the essence of war itself. Wherever war exists, Hermes or uh, Ares exists. And, and so in these senses, um, I think that, um, you know, we can look at all paranormal phenomena. It's not, it's not whether or not it's an alien or a ghost. It's what, you know, and, and, and yeah, those are me, just, I, those are just ways that we try to put some kind of border or definition or classification to things that we can't identify. Absolutely. And I, and I think, um, you know, for experimental food for thought for listeners out there, the way to approach, um, understanding these unexplainable phenomena, especially if you've experienced it yourself is to look at it like a dream. You know, they say with, uh, with in-depth dream analysis, you don't, you make a list of, you know, like people, places and things and, uh, that were in the dream. And then you write like the most personal significance those things have to you. What does a church mean to you specifically? What are the first things it draws up? And then, and then you kind of read that with your, your deeper, reflections you read the dream through and but not only that is that will give you a great deal more perspective and you could do that with this paranormal experience look at the building blocks of your events what was happening in your life what are the things that were pressuring you what were the most immediate things that you know you're trying to stuff down potentially those things are all going to be factors and what triggers whatever's to come and, and and then again how you deal with it initially right afterward is going to be very telling as well and, you know, um, and so, I, 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 you know, cause there's a lot of different subjects here and you could go on so many different rabbit holes, but I think like potentially the most quintessential takeaway here is that, um, I think that unexplainable phenomena and the mystical experience can be in a layman's terms, boiled down to a waking dream experience. And that doesn't mean that these things aren't real either. It's just, we don't even know what real is. Real is such an ambiguous term. Like we don't even know what consciousness is. How are we going to say that there is no other anomalous floating consciousness out there when we don't even fully know what our consciousness is and what the limits of that are? Now, that's a great point. In fact, I think that also filters into the this, the UFO subject in particular. I know a lot of people are just uh, utterly fascinated with that, uh, rightfully so. But a lot of that, I think, I, I, we have to understand that we don't fully, like as, as a citizen of the United States of America or a citizen of the state of Florida, my home state where you're living now, or I'm here in Arizona, you know, I don't even know what, even paying attention, I don't even know what the government is, is doing in the state. I don't even, I don't know what the federal government is doing. I hear what's in the news. I read things on the website of the, of the Supreme Court or the White House. I don't even know what our own government's doing. I don't even know what my neighbors are doing. How am I supposed to understand what, what aliens might have in store for humanity outside of these rigid, like, well, they're here to harm us or they're here to save us or they're here to give us technology because I saw that in a movie. I don't even know what my neighbor's doing. How do I know what aliens are doing? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. That's why I think it's best to just um, enjoy the research. Um, don't hang by a thread on the hope that you'll find the answers. That's a, that's, I, um, I completely agree with you. That's a fantastic point. It's like just enjoying, yeah. enjoying the ride. No, don't look at the yeah. destination. Absolutely, man. And you know, something, um, um, I don't know, and we're getting a little closer to the end here. Um, um, I wanted to 
you know, because you brought this up a little bit and I think this is like great legwork done all throughout the conversation to talk about this a little bit. Um, there, the crazy angle to all of this stuff is something that I think is a little untapped in the sense of um, it's really humorous sometimes. Um, and I don't really, you know, some people are genuinely just like mentally ill and there's like schizophrenia and things going on. And, and I think that, you know, as long as you're keeping yourself, if you haven't gotten to like violent extremes, like that's, you know, that's understandable. And I don't really want to make fun of that too much, but there are just fully functioning idiots out there. Like, uh, so for example, the, uh, the last episode I did episode 14 on black hoodie alchemy, you know, some of it's a little comedic because, because of this angle here. And sometimes you find such crazy people, you got to talk about it a little bit and you don't even have to embellish it for be, for it to be downright hilarious. And, um, one of these, uh, one of these people I did in the second segment, I just read an article about how a man named like Rich Dennis Hope, um, you can find him all online. He, uh, he's been selling acreage on the moon since 1993. <laughs> I yeah. think I've heard of that. Yeah. 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 And this guy, you know, he's written a galactic constitution for the moon. This article was written in 2013. He was expecting to be building anti-gravity technology by 2016 and be building on the moon by 2020. You know, he sold acreage of the moon to lots of like this, like hotel chains, like the Marriott. And, um, he's, uh, uh, a couple president's aides have bought acreage on the moon, but I mean, it's all for novelty for like the actual purchases, but this man is fully convinced that he's going to be able to, you know, actually own the moon one day. Um, and so you find people like this all over the place. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to play with that a little bit. And I think I'm going to be doing it more often, but in this episode 14, the first half is, um, um, it's hosted by a good friend of mine named Justin Otto. And there's a little bit of ambiguity there. Like part of the fun is not acknowledging what's going on, but obviously for the sake of, uh, talking with you here and a little bit of, uh, promotion. Um, I, it's basically me in a Southern accent with a slightly modulated voice. So I kind of sound like Andre the giant or something. And it's just kind of a take on the insanity that we see around. And so this, this character I have, his name's Tippy Patson and he is, um, a trucker from Defumiac spring, Florida that is obsessed with, uh, finding American trucker culture throughout time and space. So the Egyptians were brewing Bud Light and holding NASCAR events. Uh, Henry Ford is a real-life Doctor Who. Elon Musk is the devil. Um, the Oracle at Delphi uh, in the Illusinium in ancient Greece, she was a lot lizard. It goes on and on. So, I mean, if anyone <laughs> I don't know what kind of audience is out there for that, but we well, had a lot of fun you, doing it. <laughs> all, you're, all you're doing is tapping into David Wilcox's audience, is what I think. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. So, so if anyone wants a good laugh, like, I don't know, man, comedy's relative. So, but I, it is, you're going to at least get a few laughs out of there because for me, and I know a lot of other people out there, it's really frustrating to hear idiots have platforms. And, you know, again, I, I live and let live. I try not to be too divisive, even though I have that in me, but you have to draw a line at some point. And at a certain point, just squabbling with people isn't really going to do anything. So why not just have some fun and poke some subtle jabs at people? No, no. I, I, I totally agree. In fact, um, one of the things that my listeners over the years have really enjoyed, and there, there's a sect of them that 
obviously don't. Uh, and obviously they know who they are, but there are a lot of people that listen to this show and they really enjoy when I, I do a little bit of what Stephen Cambion does on his show. And that is I, and I've done this even, I think before Stephen Cambion, I address people that I've experienced first. I've had firsthand experience with in the radio industry, both radio hosts and authors and other people and how, whether I, whether I feel they're genuine or not is, is kind of beside the point. But when I know that I've had an experience where this person is lying or they are being deceptive and they're ripping people off, I tend to, I play their clips on the show and I, and I tell people this isn't about causing some kind of, you know, uh, dramatic conflict. It's about informing you that I've had an experience with this person and I think they're, they're full of crap and I think you should know about it, especially if you're interested in the things that they're talking about. And it upsets me in those cases because uh, it makes my life harder, it makes my job harder when I have people that are making immense energetic profits, not even money, but energetic profits off of lying to people. And that's why I will address those kinds of things. And one of them that comes to mind is, is a David Wilcock. This guy recently, and I don't have to play the clip for you, but I do have it. He recently told people that the Archangel Michael contacted him, which is a, a big, a big get and uh, told him to take, yeah. a, take a bath in his own urine and he'll obtain uh, psychic telekinetic powers. And I don't mean, oh. dude, this isn't an exaggeration. Wow. He, he literally says that. And, and uh, who am I to say what, where people should throw their money, but that kind of thing <laughs> is what makes my job really difficult. And I don't like that. Oh man. It's such a double edged sword. I feel the rage with you, but at the, and, and then at the, that exact same time, it's like, this should be, this this sounds like um, a skit on an Adult Swim show. Absolutely, you know what I mean. It yeah. sounds like a joke. Outrageous! He's tell yeah, dude. That's here, exactly, here, me, exactly my point. You couldn't have brought up a better example. Let me try to play it. Let me see if this clip works. <laughs> Telekinesis and elements appear to be very interconnected. Wind, water. Here, I might have to skip forward. I thought this. this would happen. Forbidden to take a regular shower. I am supposed to bathe, and I'm supposed to bathe every day but only in a bathtub. And then another one of the really funny things is that you have to pee in the bathtub. He wants your DNA in the water. So I have been using... Uh, so, so he goes on from there, but he says the archangel Michael told him. Because it is actually getting results. I am getting it to work. I never, ever thought this would happen. I never thought I would be able to develop this ability unless I died and ascended into some angelic being. But apparently it's happening to me first because it's going to be happening uh -huh. to you and he just, he just goes on. Telekinesis out of the earth. So he the, All you got to do is bathe in your own urine. Bathe in your own urine. I'm thinking, I bet you there are people at home who just donated $50, and then they went and peed in the bathtub, and they did that. I mean, if you Probably. Want, no doubt, right? There's at least someone. I mean, I'm not saying that's not a... I mean, some people, that's actually like a health practice for some people, but not to get telekinetic powers. Then he uses words like apparently. This is apparently going to happen to everybody else. It's just, it's so deceptive and manipulative. And um, I don't know, back to what you were saying. Well, I mean, just, it's, it's a, these people, those are the people that deserve uh, ridicule right there. Um, and, and again, like, I don't know, keep it classy to a degree. We don't want to be cutthroat necessarily, but this is why, this is my outlet. Um, you know, if I'm not just doing research, um, I want to make fun of these people in a way that allows for some creativity and um, hopefully stirs up some some of the same questions. Um, yeah, that's that would what it's be about. Stirring. Yeah, yeah, because 
you know, at the end of this, I want to hopefully have some laughs with good old redneck Tiffy Patson. But I want people to, and that's part of why I give uh, this moon story right afterwards. Like, yeah, that that was purely fictitious if you didn't pick up on it. But these there are people who even far more crazier than that out there. So, like, I don't know, be aware because just because someone seems genuine doesn't mean that they have their facts straight. You know, there's a difference between like, I think people mix that up too. It's like, Oh, this person's genuine. They might be emotionally genuine and really dumb factually. So like that doesn't, that's not exactly a direct equivalent, but it gets mixed up a lot of the time. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, it you know, does. black hoodie alchemy, there's, there's straight up horror in there. There's some comedy. There's some, um, there's definitely some transcendental magic and talks of, uh, like mechanics and what's going on in the brain with trance states and um, yeah, lots of alchemy uh, obviously, but you know, I just try to get my friends on there. My friends that are also into radio um, and philosophy. So just, just and, and, I, and I try to keep it fast paced, you know, like digestible, but you know, packing a punch a little bit. So I hope anyone, you know, if you like this conversation, go check it out. I'll be, uh, I'll definitely be continuing to do it. It comes out, um, when it comes out, uh, it, initially it's on the Fringe FM on uh, Monday evening, 6 p.m. Pacific time. And then uh, by that evening or by Tuesday morning, it, that's the standard. But it, a lot of times it comes out in the evening. It'll be streaming um, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. And you know, hunt manual, dive manual. You know, if you like what you heard, there's a, a whole lot of food for thought in those books. So I invite you to check it out. But I mean, that's pretty much it. I'm going to keep doing my thing um, because there's, you know, I'm not looking for answers. I, uh, I'll point out some food for thought when I see it. I'll, I'll let you know if I come close to an answer that I think maybe. But um, other than that, I'm just trying to uh, entertain myself with some crazy research. Because, I mean, the truth is the goal. But it's like we're all just humans, man. I think there's only so much truth you can get from this perspective. Yeah, well, that's a word there that always concerns me is when someone says, and I mean, I'm t- whether it's politicians, you know, Republicans and Democrats, or it's even late night radio, UFO, paranormal stuff. It's always the same kind of thing. It's like, well, we've got the truth here. And I always wonder what, what exactly is the truth? You know, it, it's, right. it's such an ambiguous thing. Like it, a lot, even things that are out of context can be true, but they don't necessarily obviously provide you with the context to, 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 to show you the bigger picture. So I, I don't like using that word that, that upset me when I first got into radio and started, um, started doing what I do. I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't have the truth, but then that makes people think like, well, then you're not, you're not credible then. It's like, no, it, it just means that I don't have all the answers. And I feel like that should make me more credible. Cause if you someone's telling you they have all the answers and they clearly don't, that sounds like they're lying to you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That's the beginning of cult activity right there. That, as far as oh, I'm yes. concerned. Yes, it is. Yeah, people don't want to look at it like that, but I mean, that's another thing. Um, having a show and topics that get into genuine mysticism, I find it interesting and useful to kind of oscillate between the two. We talk about some very practical mysticism, talk about the mechanics of hermeticism maybe a little bit, and then talk about a cult in Matamoros, Mexico that engaged in cartel drug trafficking and human sacrifice because... You know, these things are 
these are extreme examples, but you know, in varying degrees, you could get into something with good intention and be led by the nose by someone very malicious, and you are none the wiser. And it happens all the time. Just watch the Teal Swan documentary, the four-parter that came out just a couple months ago. You know, people rave about Teal Swan. She sells out um, lecture circuits like nobody, like Tony Robbins, and uh, and writes books and math. Um, does lectures and retreats and you know the people that are buying her books and attending a lecture they might be being misled especially monetarily but that's not the worst of it you know when you watch this documentary just as example you see classic cult engagement at its finest i mean even with torture involved she's just doing it ritualistically and with their consent like drowning people water torture all sorts of stuff um putting people into hypnotic states and literally implanting memories in there, convincing them that they've been molested and different things. Inception. Um, yes. Very, very sick and heinous. And, and Teal Swan is, you know, TikTok, YouTube famous for, for us being a spiritual guru. And up until this point, it was just kind of people's opinions, but this documentary, I mean, she's going to still be around if she's, She's a master, so she's going to be able to spin this however she wants, probably. And the people who like her are going to keep liking her, I'm sure. But anyone who just didn't know about her or was on the fence, after watching four parts of this documentary, it was one of the most disturbing. Um, you know, like this documentary was interesting just as a, as a fun aside to the, to the dark side of mysticism, uh, because this was one of the few inner looks we have into a cult, because they let this film crew in, Teal Swan did, so that uh, the film crew could film them and then they could say at the end of it, see, look, we're totally not a cult, but it backfired in the worst way imaginable. And now we have a documentary on the inside of a cult that's similar, that, you know, is pretty unprecedented aside from the fact that we have all these tapes of Jonestown while these people were going through yes. their lives and even while they were dying. And then we also have the, uh, the send off tapes of most of the people from heaven's gate days before they died. And those are very darkly fascinating, but, but useful in terms of understanding humanity and refining ourselves and understanding human suffering, um, to look at these things and see how people, regular suffering people can be manipulated so easily. And we have to, you know, look out for ourselves and our friends and our family. You don't have to look over your back. You don't have to be paranoid, but know the signs when you see them. Well, that's kind of the thing when you're talking about cults in general, uh, or if you're talking about a little bit of history going back, you know, decades or a century or more, more than that, even you, you look at things like, uh, for example, Jordan Peterson teaches in his classes, whether you like Jordan Peterson or not, but he, he brings up a good point. He said, if you were living in the Soviet Union during communist uh, occupation, or if you were living in uh, Germany uh, under the, the, the power of Hitler and the Reich, uh, you would have likely in the Soviet Union been a communist and you would have supported the party and you would likely have been a Nazi and supported the party in Germany because you are a product of your environment. And a lot of us like to think, I know Clyde Lewis also brings this up on Ground Zero a lot. He's like, a lot of people think that, you know, that they would openly rebel against a tyrannical government. But the fact is, you know, we see product uh, the, the uh, results of this in the world today in, in, in places like Venezuela or in China. The average person doesn't do that. You, you, more often than not, people just do what is easy and comfortable, and that's part of our instinct. That's part of the, uh, the Maslow hierarchy of needs. And there are people that understand that. They understand human psychology, 
and they use it to their benefit by manipulating it so that we do what they want us to do and think the way they want us to think. And that's kind of the whole point of the secret teachings. Sounds like it's sort of part of Black Hoodie Alchemy, your podcast. And this is sort of the, this is the way we I just I try to present it as a thought experiment. I don't have all the answers and I don't think that should discredit the thought experiment. Anyway, Anthony Tyler, Black Hoodie Alchemy. You can find that on Apple Podcasts. Also, the books, real quick, tell us where we can find them and what the names of them are. And then we are out of time, my friend. Right on. Um, you can go to divemind.net and find essentially everything. You can find the show. You can find the book links. But uh, check out Dive Manual, uh, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism. That's the first book. Uh, Hunt Manual, 21st Century Demonology of Fortiana. You don't have to read them in order. They do kind of go together. Um whichever way you read them and i mean that's pretty much it you know um i hope uh, i hope you got something out of this conversation i sure had fun and thank you very much for having me on ryan it's always a pleasure me as well anthony you have a good night we'll talk to you soon that's anthony tyler check out his books and his podcast i'm ryan gable more coming up tomorrow night monday through friday 10 p.m to midnight pacific right here on ground zero radio the secret teachings.info please subscribe to the archive grab a copy of one of my books and of course Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com for any questions, comments, concerns, etc. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Mm-hmm.